0: Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. I would be interested to know, you mentioned having a daily writing discipline. You You write before work, and then also, maybe translate that also into how you prepared for the Colbert set as well. So maybe starting off with how you created your routine. What is your routine? What is your writing? And then how it parlays into Colbert. Sure.
1: Uh, I I think the writing, I just made it automatic. Like just wake up, take a shower, make a cup of coffee, piece of toast, open the notebook, don't think, and just start. Right. I never have uh, anything prepared. And I think the, it's hard for me to get motivated to write, and it, and then if I don't write, then, it, then it's hard for me to go on stage because I don't have anything new. The moment you have something new to try, you can't wait to go on stage. Mm-hmm.
0: Hot breath. What's up, hot breath of verse Welcome back. I hope you are doing well in these crazy times we're in, but you know what time it is. Hot. Breath. <sighs> That's right, hot brethren and sistren, this is the Hot Breath Podcast, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am comedian Joel Byers, based in Atlanta, Georgia, here to learn comedy with you, and especially now more than ever in the, the time we're in, you can see from last week, we did a live Q&A with a social media marketer, Zach Lyman, to help you out on social media, Today we are posting a live Q and A we did with one of you, a fellow hot brethren. Last week's guest was also a, a fan of the show, and this week's guest not only is a fan of the show, but he also recently performed on Stephen Colbert. I love hearing from all of you on social media. I love connecting with you. And when Pedro reached out to me, I was like, "Oh, I just saw him on Colbert. This is crazy." So then he is actually willing to hop into the private Facebook group, which if you're not a member of, go into the show notes, join that private Facebook group. We have over 300 members from around the world now connecting and sharing their own comedy insights and tips. And Pedro actually reached out on social media and said he was such a big fan, and I was like, I'm a fan. We should do a Q&A to share the, with the hop Breathiverse how you got on Colbert and how you prepared for it. So this is the inside baseball of one, how to get booked on a late night show, but then also how to prepare for a late night show. But then on top of that, I'm here to say it after over 200 episodes, this may be our most in-depth and attainable, actionable, all the other words, like step-by-step how to create that daily writing habit. So that's what I've been doing on Facebook every morning at 10 a.m. I've been doing the Write 10 Club where we just show up on Facebook for 10 minutes, we write, and then move on with our day. Pedro goes super in-depth into how he's able to write for several hours each and every day. And he makes it very, um, um, what would the word be, unintimidating. Writing can be intimidating sometimes and we can pressure ourselves into creating magic every time. But Pedro really breaks down and really helped me. I hope he helps you, and if you found it helpful, reach out to him, let him know how helpful it was, and join this Facebook group. I'm telling you, we also this week did a live Q&A with Sean Patton that ended up being two hours. Okay, That's over on the Patreon right now, if you want to go check that out, that's linked in the show notes, as well as I'm posting the right 10 clubs on the Patreon as well, just to give you guys additional content and a really one-stop shop to see it all. So, go check it out, and let's get into this episode. Take notes, hot brethren and sistren, and take care out there, as there is only one thing left to do, and that is inhale a hot breath. Let's jump into it with here. With Pedro Gonzalez. All right, hot breath of verse Welcome back. To the Hot Breath Podcast. This is the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and you know what time it is. Hot Breath. Oh, thank you all that did that with me because we are live right now. This is the first. Episode of its kind, the first of many, and this was actually requested by you, the listeners. If you didn't know, I've been doing a live write ten club every morning at ten a.m. on my Facebook page, interacting with you, answer questions, and we do writing together. And this type of show actually came up in the discussion where people would want to do live Q and A's with comedians that have performed on TV, and I was like, oh. I know just the guy. He is actually a big fan of Hot Breath. We connected on social media, where he was co- so complimentary of the show, and I was like, "It's amazing, just the what this show has turned into." So today, we're doing a live Q and A in the Hot Breath Comedy Nate Nate Network. Well, there's my honky bonics coming out. I tell you what, there's that Hot Breath Nate Network. We're doing a live Q and A in the private Facebook group. So if you're not a member, go to Hot Breath Comedy Network in Facebook and join listeners from around the world, including today's guest, Hot Brethren and Sisterin. This guy, New York-based comic, just recently performed on Colbert, and he is here to share and answer all of your questions. Please welcome to the show, the one and only Pedro Gonzalez, everyone. Welcome, Pedro, to the show. Thank you for having me. What's up, everybody? Yeah, everyone, say hey to Pedro. <clears throat> Woo! We have sound effects. Nice. nice. Isn't that exciting? All right. So everyone, I um, please let me know in the comments as well how the audio is doing. Cause posted a Skype session last week and the audio was a little uneven. So I'm hoping we even it out a little bit this time. But this is great. We have Carly here, we have Ron here in the comments, Tina, EJ, as well. Yeah, Trent. Yeah, Pedro. So uh, Carly said "hola." I think she meant "ola." Uh, mm. No siento, Pedro. No entiendo a, lo gringa not, not ahí. Problem. No problema. <laughs> so um, please. Uh, Just to start off here for a second, Pedro, please introduce yourself to the Hot Brett Verse. Let them know a little bit about you and your your comedy background.
1: Sure. Uh, So I'm originally from Colombia, and I came to the United States uh, about 16 years ago, Uh, and about six and a half years ago, I was living in Philly, and I was watching this uh, webcam series about comedy called Modern Comedian, I think. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, and they had an episode on open mics, um, and then they profiled Suba Agarwal, who was doing like 20 mics a week. And I I was like in my first month of comedy, and I realized, well, I mean, I'm like two hours away from New York. And if I can do so, if I can get on stage so much, why not just go to New York and I came. And um, I started doing mics like
0: a maniac, Mm -hmm. and uh, never stopped until the coronavirus started. (laughs) (laughs) And but like a maniac, how many shows are we talking about a night a week? I don't know that shows. Like for for the first two years, there was no
1: shows. I just I, I have um, I don't know if you can see. I have a calendar right behind me. Do you see oh, it? Yeah, very cool. It's empty right now for March because I, I didn't feel it up do, do you remember that the Seinfeld technique of like every day that he wrote, he he would have a calendar and every night he every day he wrote he would put an X on the on, on the day so at the, at the end of the month he would have a visual for how many days a month he wrote.
0: Yeah, he called it breaking the chain. Right.
1: Correct, yes. Yeah. I use the same technique but just for performing. Oh so like, so like right. if, if, every day that I did a, two mics or three mics, I would write two. Then at the end of the week, I would add it up, and then at the end of the month, I would know that I would do that. I had done, let's say, forty-five mics a month or sixty mics a month. Mm-hmm. And um, for my first two years, I basically didn't have any shows, huh? Which is mics, 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 mics.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, um, yeah, definitely not even everything booked, but like open mics. You're saying you're doing like forty-five to sixty a month, is what you were saying. If not seventy, yeah, if in my first and 70, second year. Jeez Louise! And do you have a day job during this time, or what is what's that hustle? Yeah, I've always had
1: an, I've always had a day job.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: So it was it was kind of like if you day job, I would have a day job that started um, like at eight eight thirty. So then I would wake up but I would like write every morning from six from seven to eight, just like just like a little hour at least. And then after work. I would go and do a mic like at five, at six, and at seven, and then be done by eight or be done by nine.
0: And what is uh, what what is the day job? Do you still have your day job, by the way? I yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what are you? Do you can you say what your day job is?
2: Sure, sure, oh, okay. sure. I uh, I am an
0: interpreter.
1: I'm an, I'm an interpreter at a legal aid firm. Oh, okay. Very cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you never know when, like, when you see people on TV, you never know what. um... Oh, and he's drinking out of his Colbert uh, mug, by the way. He pointed that out on Skype earlier. Yes. So I am, uh, I'm drinking out of uh, the hot breath water as well. So we're all being on brand here. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, people feel free. Uh, Trent liked the don't break the chain idea and uh, athena liked the idea as well so that's great and kids feel free jump in in the comments with any questions but i would like to get into a little bit more of pedro and it sounds like and what's funny is uh the guy that produces uh produced that show modern comedian scott moran actually did a show with him in atlanta several years ago and he was showing me like the, the early, early... He hadn't even started posting them yet because he's mm-hmm. done some with like Roy Scovel who he's now directed some of Roy Scovel's uh, comedy specials mm-hmm. and he directed a Todd Glass's comedy special as well. So he's actually like a director in comedy now. But he was showing me like the early behind the scenes of him cutting together that show in the green wow. room. And it's cool to just see the views it's gotten and the impact because I saw that Suba episode and it really inspired me to really get on my hustle, so I recommend yeah. any comics listening to this go check out that series there's a really good one about Mitch Hedberg as well that really shows him and and his creative process like never before mm-hmm. so in terms of i'm I'm interested in the late night part now people you can ask questions anything about uh, his writing or anything because it sounds like he's he has a good writing system, but first off, like, how did you even book Colbert? Um, so
1: my I I got recommended by two people who did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I didn't. They just they did it without me asking. Interesting. I, yeah. Um. So. The, the booker for Colbert, she's, she's super busy. She's like – she's always in LA or in you, – you, you, it's really hard to catch her because she's, she's got a lot of things going on. Right. Um, she asked for my schedule. I, I'm talking about like a year ago. It was the first time that she said, tell me your show schedule. And uh, I went to – I was doing this uh, festival in Boston called Women in Comedy Festival. I was doing a guest set there, and she was like – she was supposed to come to that show – but then she couldn't make it, and then I did another festival called the West Side Comedy Showdown in Los Angeles,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she was a, she was supposed to be a judge of the contest, and I was opening the show, and before I did my set, she got a phone call and she left, so so it was so the, the whole thing about her seeing me live um, was not as easy it was it was it wasn't easy even though I had already been recommended and she wanted. Um, and she had expressed interest but she just had so many other commitments that we just didn't um, get to the same place that the you know the, the happy coincidence never happened and um, the second time she sent me an email she said send me your latest five ah, okay. but my, my intuition is that uh, that like I, just, I I think I was busy with something else but at the moment I didn't think I thought maybe I'm going to close this deal when she sees me live. So I sort of like didn't really pay attention to this to to this uh, request. And then I emailed back and I was like, can I send it in a couple weeks? Because I just don't have that many great shows coming up. And she was like, I need it by Friday because I have a stand-up meeting. And so then I just asked for a bunch of spots, which I usually don't do. I got the tape, send the tape, forgot about it. Two weeks later, I got an email saying... Green light, you're doing it.
0: What? Yeah. So what? I wonder. Um, and I think there's there's a little bit of a, a clicking or something. Are you, are you tapping the table or anything? Um, no. I might be, but I will stop. No, I don't know. I just thought some someone's gonna say, if no one else is Didn't complaining, don't worry about it. But um, I just kept hearing kind of something as you were talking. But okay, is it gone now? So far. Thing. Okay, I've just been doing this podcast long enough to know anyone will find a reason to, <laughs> to like complain about the audio or something if they get a chance. I get it. I get uh, it. Can you make your guest talk closer to the mic? And I was like, Hey, I'm doing everything I can here. All right, I'm sorry, guys, <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to. Do <laughs> so let's let's get focused here. So I wonder what was. So it's kind of like you went. It took about a year, it says. A year ago she's like, Show me her schedule, and then it's like, oh, she'll get to see me live and then no oh, she didn't and then send me the new clip. And then how yeah. long between um her saying yes to then you being on the show? Like what was that what was that turnaround? I think it was about um Six weeks. Six-week turnaround. Okay, cool. 6 weeks turnaround, yeah. Wow, yeah. So an entire process even being recommended by two other comics. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, this, speaking of recommendations, I like this one. Uh, Z says, Pedro, are you going to refer Joel Byers? Just an idea. Just an idea. (laughs) Just an
1: idea, you know. I, I think uh, I can't see the comments, so I can't tell that the guy is real. So maybe, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but but I, but I think I think bringing up the whole thing is um, the, the recommendation thing. It's it's a good thing to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what other people's focuses on that are. But it's like when I, I think that when it comes to comedy, when somebody wants to recommend you for something, they can't wait to do it. Mm. So, so it's like it, it's like if you're a very attractive person, somebody's gonna ask you to prom gotcha. and, you're, uh, and, and you go like you know what I, if I'm proactive and I ask all these people to prom then then it's gonna happen but it's I don't know I don't want to make it about looks. But do you know what, what? Do
0: you know what I'm trying to say? So I'm not pretty I mean, enough for I, TV. If, is that what? No, you're so. very, you're very
1: handsome. <laughs> if, if there was a prom, I would, I would be honest. Yeah, but that but is I'm a good point. That, like, yeah. like, every, like, at least that's my philosophy. When I'm, i I, rarely ask to get booked. Right. I, I work hard enough, and I never think about getting any and like getting booked or getting recommended for this or that. And I, and I just let my work speak for itself.
0: Yes. I love that. And I think that's such an important point that it took me years into comedy to realize of just focus on what you can control. Don't have expectations of other people really just focus on just getting as funny as possible. And instead of trying to white knuckle myself and force myself in an opportunity, when I just took a step back and was just like, what am I in control of? I'm in control of getting on stage as much as possible. I'm in control of writing and then letting all the opportunities come from that. And it's actually become my greatest success has come from just focusing on me and getting as good at comedy as possible and everything kind of bloomed from that. And it seems like with you, you didn't ask for these recommendations, you just got recommended by two previous performers and then boom yeah let work speak for itself i love it and you were on there with larry david by the way did you get to meet him or anything oh my god
1: i wish well wow. here's a here's a here's a little nugget about colbert colbert is a they tape the stand-up showcase separately oh and then they, and then they chop it up and then they they plug it whenever so my like steven wasn't there when I taped.
2: Oh,
1: okay, gotcha. Which, which probably makes it a little less nerve wracking, you know? Yeah, because I wasn't like I wasn't. I was a little nervous, but I wasn't super nervous.
0: Gotcha, um, and I, I, like when when
1: people talk about uh, their Letterman, that there is such like <gasps> I was. About to die that day, and it was like, but then so then I was thinking, why wasn't I like that? And I was like, oh of course, because I wasn't performing. I've never nervous. I'm never nervous about the audience. I'm nervous
0: about the comedians in the back right. being like this guy
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, luckily you're funny, and thank you. How long have you been doing comedy, by the way? Uh, about six and a half years. Six and a half years. That's great. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, um. I actually went through a phase where I was like, oh, let me, uh, I want to get on Conan. And then I was like, oh, I want to get on Colbert. And then I was like, no, I just want to be really funny. <laughs> like, I was kind of, yeah. I had all these vanity goals that I wasn't in control mm-hmm. of. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's reassuring for comedians to see someone at your experience level, but also your mindset so young into comedy of, I just let the work speak for itself. I think that's, I mean, that that speaks volumes that i think comedians can already just take that nugget let your work speak for itself so that being said and thinking of the work um carly said i want to know more about the writing routine so i think just um just to kind of piggyback that i would be interested to know you mentioned having a daily writing discipline you would you write before work and then also maybe translate that also into how you prepared for the Colbert set as well. So maybe starting off with how you created your routine, what is your routine, what is your writing, and then how it parlays into Colbert. Sure,
1: Uh, I I think the writing, I just made it automatic. Like just wake up, take a shower, make a cup of coffee, piece of toast, open the notebook, don't think, and just start, right? I never have uh, anything prepared. And I think that when, when I was doing – I still do mics sometimes, but when I was doing mics like in my second year, I had a, I had a friend who was like, well, just it, it's it's hard for me to get motivated to write. And it, and then if I don't write, then it, then it's hard for me to go on stage because I don't have anything new. Right. And then, and then my point was like, yeah, so you know what your problem is. The moment you have something new to try, you can't wait to go on stage. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's either a vicious uh, cycle or a virtuous cycle. So I guess the, the the reason I've been so hungry to perform so much is because I write every day for about
0: 60 to 80 minutes wow. in the morning before I go to my day job. That's 60 80 minutes. And it that's how I am, too, though. If I don't write, I don't feel inspired to perform because there is like there's nothing right. new to try or, you know. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like you've created a routine around it. So it is like you had to make it something you didn't think about, where it is like, okay, I write up, I shower, coffee, writing. That's almost like the regimen every day you just had to instill? Yeah.
1: yeah, of course, because if you think about it, uh, when you're writing a stand-up, you're digging into your childhood, your insecurities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then And then a joke is like this perfect little line that almost doesn't, make sense cement it's it, it's it's like it's something off the wall something that surprises people and makes them laugh it's something that you would never expect it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, for, and for you to be able to to come up with that you at least in my case I just need a lot of a lot of like I I don't want to say uh free writing but just a lot of exper a, a lot of uh putting things down some paper and reworking them mhm until I, until I find the way, until I find um, the right way of expressing something, the best way of expressing something.
0: Yeah, what is that? I you did mention um, nothing is prepared either, so you kind of take the pressure off of having to create lightning in a bottle every time you sit down. I right. am I'm a big fan of, and that's why I do the right ten club every morning, is because it's like just show up and just write, like even just for ten minutes. Yeah. A lot of the time. Ten minutes will grow into twenty, thirty, sixty. But it's like you just have to start and take away all the pressure and expectation. So with of you, course. with you, is it free writing? Is it you're just kind of journaling about the day, or do you have prompts? Or I, I actually
1: i have a I have this little notebook that I wanted to show you. With yeah, like, a, I love it. A, so basically, um, I don't know if you can see this. You can see this page. Okay. Yeah. If, they, if I had gotten anything that I would think it's worth talking about, I would have like put a little bracket and then and then I would take my little notebook and I write two words that would remind me to go and try it on stage.
2: Uh,
0: right? Okay. But yes.
1: sometimes sometimes I can go, like if you go through my notebook, there could be uh, like say seven days where there is nothing. Right. Where I, I came up with nothing. Right. But you know what? I just feel at the end of the day, I just feel great. I'm like oh i I woke up and I wrote, and nothing came out, but i but I'm exercising my brain like I am fine tuning my my writing comedic voice mm-hmm. and it's fine. so I think the moment that i that I taught myself to to take off the pressure,
0: that's when I became free to like become funny, okay, yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, take off the pressure of writing because a lot of times we try to force it and we we right. squeeze it so tight that we end up suffocating it as opposed to just letting it be what it is.
1: Right, right, right. So I have um, – I found a, a, a day where I came up with a bit. So I, I, if you want me to, I'll give you like a little breakdown of how I came up with the bit. Absolutely, please. Okay, so um, – on March 14th, that day I woke up, and uh, I I did have... Normally, I don't have anything that I'm going to write about. I'll just put down, like, oh, I had a, I had a cup of coffee. I bought coffee, blah, blah, blah. Great. But this day, I decided to talk about um, when I didn't have um, health insurance, and I lost a tooth, right? It's embarrassing. <laughs> like, when it, something is embarrassing or scary, or, like, it makes you uncomfortable, or it's humiliating, of course, that's good for humor. So... So I do. I have this little. I try something for like for like five, four or five lines. Mhm. To a different approach in the same thing. Does that
0: make sense? Uh, you actually cut out right when you said that. Can you say that again? Sure, sure, sure. I, if you see this little um, this little bullet point.
1: Mhm. There's a little bullet. point. And I'll, and I'll do something for like four or five lines to see if I find a funny
0: approach. And if I don't, I drop it and I, and I start again. Gotcha. Okay. So once you find something that strikes you, you try to explore right. that a little bit more by asking questions or...
1: So, so for example, in on this one, I wrote that I would talk about the fact that I have two dental implants. And then I took the approach of like, so as a person who hasn't had the dental care... Uh I should I believe that everyone should have free dental care, right? And then I did a little tried a little bullshit joke about uh healthcare. Mm. N- nothing nothing panned out. Gotcha. And then uh okay, what's what's dating like without a tooth? So then uh I would I try to make an anal- like analogy. Oh, going on a date with a, with a missing tooth is like auditioning for Julia without a keyboard on your piano. Right? Still not funny. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, the dating part didn't work. Then I then I had a, then I was like, okay, what else can I compare with? And I and it's um I I wrote the next one is a missing arm is a sign of an accident. A missing tooth is a sign of your parents had you as an accident
2: or something. <laughs> yeah
1: like when I read it today I was like this isn't even bad. I'm right. So like right now I'm gonna put a little bracket and maybe I'll, I'll tweet it or I'll try it on stage but that wasn't the big. So then I kept going and I said uh, and this isn't even funny but it's like the reason people don't judge you when you lose an arm is because you had a, it was unfortunate that something bad happened to you. Well as when you lost your tooth, it's like that was your, your choice to not brush your fucking teeth. Right. So then that's your fault, right? Again, didn't come to um, didn't come to any jokes. Then I said, <sighs> it's embarrassing to go and and then I just I started brainstorming like what would be a, a job interview on the phone if you like if you don't have teeth and you sound like that? Mm-hmm. Maybe they give you a job because they think you're mentally uh this uh what's the term disabled? Mm-hmm. You have a mental dis right um so then that led me to go oh what if i actually went on a a real interview for it to be and then what's it what's the worst place to get rejected from walmart right walmart will hire anybody um so then i so then i came up with the idea that i was interviewing for to be a greeter at walmart and then the guy was like, good interview, but I can't have you smiling. And I can't have you greeting customers with that. That doesn't look nice because you, you're missing teeth. You're missing a tooth. And then I go like my comeback would be like, but that guy, like I look at the greeter and I go like that guy's missing a chromosome. And then the guy comes back and he's like, well, but he looks adorable when he smiles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's a joke that's in progress. But I but I, I came to it. Going like all the way and exploring all these different all these different things, so I don't know if that helps to to like oh my facilitate. gosh,
0: yeah, that totally helps, and it seems like you find something you that strikes you as interesting or funny, and you put it in brackets, and then you may explore it with different questions and different situations that that idea may create humor out of right, yeah. And this this actually um, this kind of piggybacks into the next question, but um, Z asks, when you write so much, how do you decide what to keep slash try? Um, I guess
1: when you hit something that is like a, that that feels like a joke, I think mean, that's when you have to like trust your intuition. Oh yes,
0: feels like I'll a come- joke. Yeah. Most of it is just garbage. Right. Which I think is important for comedians to hear is that, I mean, at any level, you know, I've interviewed comedians 20 years into this, and they'll say one out of every 20 things they end up keeping. So it's good for younger comics to hear that most of what you write is just nonsense or it is garbage and it's not going to work. I, I think a good lesson for me was I went to a UCB show
1: and I saw Louis C.K. once and he was doing this bit about uh, the idea of pavements. Mm-hmm. What if somebody's laying payment and then the, the construction guys watch false and then he puts on the payment and then when he wants to retrieve the thing he has to break it, and then he go he just looks at his book and he's like, This is the stupidest thing I've ever written. <laughs> I, how did I ever think this was funny? And then I was like, oh well, if somebody who's been doing it for 25 years or 30 years can fail, allow him some to fail. Why shouldn't I fail? Exactly. That's that's. I think I think sometimes we look at them and we're like they're geniuses, but not a, they're not necessarily geniuses, but they're people who like really work hard at their craft.
0: Yeah, and that that's so that's a very um. Big benefit to doing comedy in New York is you do get to see all of. These just titans of comedy failing on stage. Oh yeah. Are there any? Uh, are there any other memories of seeing someone like at a Louis C.K. level? Getting to see them live, working out stuff.
1: Um. I mean, I've seen Mark Normand, who's mm-hmm. I, I one of the comedians that I like really respect the most, and I've just I saw him once. I think it was, like, a Monday, and I saw him at UCB at 11.20, mm-hmm. like, after 11 p.m. But he was, he was doing a 20-minute set or something, 15-minute set. And I remember seeing him at 5 p.m. at an open mic at a stand-up in New York with three people. And I remember thinking, if I, was, if I had a 20-minute set at, at, at midnight, that, that's good enough for me to work anything out. However, this guy who's like killing it already mm-hmm. is so committed to working that he's trying it out at an open mic at five p.m. and I thought he was great. Yeah, he's one of those and, that and really puts was, it in. Right, and he had some, and he had a, a couple bits that just didn't go anywhere, and he was, and he was like embarrassed, and I was like, oh look, it's okay to make mistakes.
0: It is. That's how you learn. Yeah, he. Uh, our first interview we did with him. He, he at the time I don't know if he still holds it, but at the time he held the record for doing the most open mics in a year in New York because he's constantly sure. on stage right 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 oh and good uh Ramiro says uh the breakdown about the tooth joke was super helpful, so that's good oh, right this and um this is actually... like the
1: joke sucks, but the breakdown was good
0: ah! <laughs> <laughs> It was very insightful. I haven't really heard someone kind of break down their process like that before. So that's that's why we're doing this. Cool. So keeping in joke breakdown because I I do want to think about the Colbert thing as well and kind of tie it in Trevor Glassman here. He asked how long did it take for you to shape and perfect that set you did on Colbert and also mm. and how did you go about choosing what jokes to do slash uh shape um i think it, it
1: just i think it came out like i think it shaped itself organically um okay i remember the first time that i did um they're they're very new york has less industry than you think Mm-hmm. So I was, I was just focusing on my writing my jokes. But, and there's few occasions when you go and you showcase for industry, like Laughing Skull, like the festival in Atlanta, right? So I did that like three years ago uh, or four years ago. So I was like two and a half years into comedy. So there I am with my five minutes. And I have two and a half that are clean and are about me, about my family, about where I'm from. And they're funny and they're clean. And then I have my, my like, oh, I'm three years into comedy and I have this cancer bit. Let me, let me just throw it in about how (laughs) my and then it's just like, yeah, no, like that's not what they want for, that's not what they want for TV. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I kept, uh, I kept writing and it just, I think it organically came to be something about like, oh, this is something about, I was made fun of my looks for this. This is something that, um, um, I, I observe that it's different from my culture to American culture this is something that happened to me in dating this is a racist thing that a guy told me at an airport and this is my experience dating I, I'm like I'm not giving you a formula but I'm saying like six things that were like they were all about me boom and and, and they were and they were and they were clean i think I think sometimes people go like oh I don't want to do that I, I don't want to Play to them or whatever, but it's like at 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 certain point you should know who you're trying to perform for. And and then again, as I told you, I wasn't writing for them. I don't think late night TV is the ultimate goal. I was just writing what I thought was funny, and it happened to be very personal.
0: Yeah, it was very personal.
1: um, Right. And as far as like selecting, so once, so I've never asked for spots, but once I was told you're doing Colbert, then I just hit up everybody with the, cause like that email is a little easier to get responded to when it's like, Oh, preparing for Colbert. People are like, yeah, come do my show. And one thing that I, that I did is every show that I did. I would have the host, the host always ask you, what do you want as an introduction? And I was like, please say that I'm that I'm doing this set on Colbert. Because that makes the audience go like, oh, let me see if this is funny.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that makes me nervous. So the day when I'm taping Colbert, uh, I, I've, I've been as nervous as I'm
0: ever going to be. Does that make sense? So you set the expectation that oh this is going to be something special so you almost have to rise to the occasion for the audience Yeah yeah for the audience if they're they're right, they're right. expecting big things so you got to got better bring it type deal Right but for
1: me I kept and then again every person everyone's process is different I kept writing new jokes because I was like what if I come up with like my funniest joke ever before the day before Right Right, right. And I had, a, I had a friend who had done it, and he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I keep running to him at mics, and I was like, look, 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 I'm going to put this new joke. And he's like, when did you write that joke? And I was like, yesterday. And he'd be like, are you insane? <laughs> this is your best of the best. And I was like, yeah, I am the best possible writer today. Mm. So, so maybe, that, maybe the best joke is going to come. And I actually put in, I think, two jokes that weren't even in my submission tape.
0: Oh, wait. Did they know you were going to do them? Are you just? Uh, yeah. Oh, you just showed up the yeah. day of, and we're like, "I'm gonna try these," or how did that go?
1: No, no, no day off. So after I got the green light, I I coincided with uh, Jessica uh-huh. at a show in Los Angeles.
0: Jessica's um, the Booker, by the way, for anyone listening.
1: Right. Yeah. So I just sandwiched the jokes in the set, and at the end of the thing, she came and she was like really good job. You're going to do great. Yeah. And that was all
0: the feedback I got about myself. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> I guess if they didn't have any big edits, I mean, that's a good sign because I've heard the opposite where they're like, these four are great, but you got to take out these three, you know, type deal. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I
1: th- am. Yeah, I, um, I, I had also heard that so the moment that I get the green light, I try to start communicating with them immediately. And I would say I thought I had like, like a red pen ready, and I was like, l- 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 "Tell me what you're gonna cross, and then I'll work around that." Right, right. That's fine. And I, I got booked. I want to get it over with. Um, so I'll work with you guys. But I, but I, I had uh all the support. I think they trusted me, and they just told me, "Good job, go and do it out there."
0: Great. Yeah. So when I'm trying to think, how many times do you think you ran that set before you performed it on TV? I can tell you.
1: I can. I would say uh, I ran it until I was. I was bored. Okay. Running it until I was bored. Let's say six weeks. Six weeks at an average of fifteen times, probably ninety times. Ninety times, okay. Ninety times, and and it was. I mean, I don't know. I also know that friends of mine who had who have done. Um, so, G- Jimmy Fallon, right? Mm-hmm. I was also talking to them. My manager called me on a Friday, and he said, um, "What do you have else for Monday?" He didn't tell me for what. And then I didn't hear anything on Monday, and then I found out that I was this close from being called to do um, Fallon on a Monday, and that Monday. So I would have had no sets of preparation if that had been the case. Right. Um, so I feel like, and I've seen friends of mine who have done it on that, but it's also said that you've been you've been doing for years and years and years, so you sort of know it. I think the I, I think the reason i prepared so much is because you never wanna you never wanna show up and fuck up and know that it's because you you just chose not to right mhm when when you have when you're booked for that you can get all the bookings you could ever get to do a bar show to do a city show so then why not take advantage
0: yes so i think that's that's um answering trevor's second question was like choosing the jokes it was stuff that was personal but also clean as well but you even talking about trying um uh, new stuff Ramiro kind of chimed in here and asking did you hate any of the jokes and is that why you were trying to put in new jokes into Colbert's?" um n-
1: no i liked um I maybe the jokes that I took out were jokes that I wrote like in my second year, and I and I had just told them enough that I felt the writing on the new ones was stronger. So then I I just I just decided to to include those.
0: Nice, very nice. Yeah, and that is interesting. You mentioned having management and um, six and a half years in. You know, I, I'm still doing everything independently, but. This uh, mm-hmm. Trevor actually just chimed in with this as well, but like, how far into comedy and where did you get management, and how has it been vital to your success?
1: So, I got management last year, 2019, okay. when I went to Laughing Skull.
0: Oh, you did the Laughing Skull Fest last year.
1: Yes. Cool. So I, so I, I, as I said, I did it three years before, and I just went and I was like. AIDS, cancer, blah she <laughs> then, then was like okay. Great <laughs>
2: and,
1: and then and then I came back when I had my voice was like a little more refined. Right. Smart. And I and I and I did my set and it was one of those like little movie moments when I'm in the green room with my with my comedian friends and one of the late night bookers just beelines to me and he sits down, let's start working on your tape, uh you're gonna be on like we, we we want to have you in the show, and then my friends just give me a look of like, oh shit. And then I, I go to the after party, and um, and uh, my my manager now approached me and he was like, hey, um, I really enjoy your set. We had like a very friendly, non committal conversation, and then he was like, hey, I'm gonna call you in a couple weeks if that's okay. He called me in a couple weeks and he. He's, he he told me uh the company he worked for is it's 3arts is a really good company yeah and he said um i didn't know i was like sure i just i told people hey i'm working with this guy from 3arts and, and i know and they were like you don't know and i was like mm. they were like have you never watched the end of a special where they show who made the special and i was like why it's it's finished <laughs> I was, I was in it for the jokes not for the not for the industry stuff and then um, he told me I'm very happy to start working with you, wow. and I just thought, when am I gonna get the paperwork? Is this guy really like? Is he is he not my manager now? And it's like it turns out that um, many of the big companies don't make you sign anything. Yeah. And and um, so I've been working. So laughing in school is very instrumental. Going back to the point of like, maybe it's really good to just. Gl- Figure out where you can be seen and just go try. Um, I'd say that there's a couple like really good festivals like Limestone, Laughing Skull, um, the West Side Comedy Showdown has because it's in LA, so it is good industry people coming to check it out, like agents, managers, um, and yeah, just I mean, try to get out places and. Get seen, I would say. Now, as far as um, working with the manager has been has been a blessing, I think. Um, it I, I already started the late night thing on my own, just by being lucky that I get seen by industry in in random places. Um, and so, be, besides that. When you have a manager, it's like ever since I have my manager, I started – he would give me an idea to start writing a TV show, a sitcom, because I was working at the DEA before I did – before I did um, comedy. So I'm writing a sitcom about that. And it's just like – I think once you get management, they don't change everything for you. Like bookings, you need a booking agent, Right. You need like a you know, an agency that's like okay. There is an agent for acting, there is an agent for touring, and there is an agent for literary. What my manager advised me to do is let's let's take it easy because there is a, after I did Colbert. One good thing about Colbert is that people from uh, William Morris Endeavor saw me and, that's and they an were agency, like, we want right? to talk. William Morris, right? Yeah, be me Yeah. Uh huh. And then uh, I also did stand up NBC. Last year and some people from uh, CAA saw me and they're like we want to we want to talk so then um, As of now, I don't have an agent. hmm because I think we're, we're trying to choose Someone that that has the best report and it has offered the best opportunities, but then again um, They're not gonna be like, oh, I'm your agent now go be a, go be a headliner because they have headliners who have a lot of followers, a lot of tickets. They can – like you can be uh, a YouTube celebrity and just go – or like a TikTok celebrity and just go and talk about your TikTok. And as if you sell out, you will be on tour.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think in terms of like um, a stand-up, it doesn't transform anything. It doesn't make you a headliner. I also haven't tried – because I still have a, a day job. I haven't gone crazy on like – Message the whole world to see how many bookings I can get as a feature or whatever in terms of like Showing you that the possibilities are Endless it's good to have a manager Because like now that I'm working with managers like I'm right now Like the day I finished taping Colbert The day after I was working on a on a pilot for a sitcom
0: Wow, and that's through the guidance of uh, your manager like he, right. he put the idea right. in your head. Yeah, I I interviewed uh, Tamara Goins, who is the head of comedy at Innovative Artists out in LA. So mm-hmm. she's worked with a lot, and she was able to break down the difference between like management and having an agent. And she said an agent mm-hmm. is more transactional, where it's like, here's work, let me take my cut. But management is more like you're saying it's more like a mentorship, more like a guidance, more like giving yeah helping your career along but her advice was before you have a manager make have something to manage you know Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of times people comics just feel like they're gonna get that manager and then that's where their success is going to come it's kind of like no first have something to bring to the table that they can then help mold into like a bigger idea, but a lot of times people want management without even having anything to manage, you know
1: Yeah, of course. So for example, one one good example about that is um, Just for laughs and how the only addition The real additions are only if you have a manager right for rep right 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 sure. And then I've seen many many cases where people get wrapped super early and a few cases where people who have been doing comedy for four years or something, they just, they go to JFL and at JFL, you're performing for like a thousand industry members and they go besides this five minutes, what do you have? And then you go another minute and they go, okay, bye. So then I never, like when, whenever I was like, oh, I'm, 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 Six years into comedy, five and a half years into comedy, and I'm not rapped. If 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 only I were rapped, ah, my life would be so different. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, I rather go like I rather go maybe this year or next year when I have a, a freaking show to give you. Hey, who wants this show? Because it's a great show. Um, and then people, and then also some people are just like, if only I had a late night TV credit. Guess what? It doesn't pay you a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> you get a lot of friends being like, "Good job," and it's good, and it's it's a, it's a proof of of your of your merits. But, um, you got to think bigger than that. I think.
0: Yeah, it's it's super important. It's. Just, I think, like you said at the beginning, man, it really is just like let your work speak for itself. That's really where your opportunities are going to be. It's not this one experience that just makes changes everything. It's a gradual process over time. And just like developing a joke, it's gradual over time. So mm-hmm. just letting your work speak for yourself, having those tangible things, because now it is more important than ever. Like comedians do have more than one thing. It's like, okay, you're funny on stage. Oh, yeah. What else? Can you act? Do you have a podcast? Do you have a pilot? It's like, what else do you have besides being funny on stage? Of course. And this does um, this does tie into um, really two questions in one. First off, Trent says, uh, three arts, congrats, because that is a big deal. I mean, it's at the end of every special. It's at the end of uh, Louis' show. Like, three arts is known as, like, The gold standard when it comes to comedy so definitely congrats on that thank you and um this is kind of a combination but trent asks um and is is this the next step of your career a comedy special like do you have 40 plus minutes of material and that does parlay into ramiro also asked like what is your goal now after Colbert? You have a full time job, or are you wanting to quit the job and do stand up full time? So it's kind of like a two parter. Like, what's next for you?
1: I, I think that's that's a really good question. Um, I was on the verge of quitting my day job to just like move in with my girlfriend and just like hit up everybody, go go perfect my my featured set to like learn to do like a solid thirty minutes, um, and and just try to put it somewhere where people see it. And we're, 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 like the, I think Netflix right now would be the only streaming service that is like worth putting your special on. Mm-hmm. I'm, look, I'm talking, I'm, I don't know anything. Right. But I've listened, I mean, how many, how, how many people that you have interviewed have told you that nobody saw their Comedy Central?
0: Oh, half hour like all of them
1: <laughs> right so like you ask anybody who's done one and they go like i don't know that it's i don't know that it's worth it right mm-hmm. so um people who are doing the stuff that you're doing you're building your audience by putting your thing out there right. sam Morell, i don't know if he did it with i don't know who he did it with but he just put something out a million views right uh, get as many youtube subscribers as you can um like the andrew schultz Model. Yep. So for me, it's like I'm. I don't know that I'm wise, like like um, social media wise, like that with them. I would love to keep growing my act to make money on the road as as far as stand-up and to get that special perfected to maybe if it, be able to sell it to like HBO or Netflix, um, and the sitcom is just like because i found it like an entertaining um something that i'm passionate about i i I read some scripts and i just found them amazing and i was like i would love to learn to do that now Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm doing now just like i have this like out of this uh, this is 100 pages and 98 are just nothing and two of them are like a, a few jokes I have about 10 scripts that I've, that I've written that are like just really terrible. But then the next one is going to be good. Why? Because, um, how awesome would it be if I had a daytime job writing television here in New York yeah. and maybe stand up at night,
0: you know? Yeah. That that's so, that, that's very comforting. Like 98, pages out of 100 are just nothing but you've written 10 scripts is also incredible so it's like you're working that writing muscle and the more you write the more opportunities you're giving yourself to find that next great script or that next great joke right and and i think that i'm i mean i just thought about this
1: but when you're a kid and you start playing super mario or whatever the the, la- the highest level of difficulty is horrible and if you, for a beginner, and if you thought, oh, oh, well, i then why would I even try if this is going to take me a thousand hours to finish, but you're a kid and you have all the time in your hands and, and, and you see it as play as a thing that brings you joy. So you let yourself make mistakes. So like, that's, I think that's the only thing that prevents me from having a writer's block, which I've never had is to be like, yeah, this is probably really awful. Oh, but what? But but, but but it made me laugh.
0: So who cares? Oh yeah, I like your. That's been really helpful. Is just taking away the pressure and expectation of creating something funny. It's almost just the, the act of writing is more important than the result. mm Hmm. Ooh, I like that quote. The act of writing is more important than the result. Great quote. Joel. (laughs) Oh, that's a Joelism right there. I'm acting like I came up with, I was like, you pretty much just guided me into thinking that, but that really does. I think that's super helpful for everyone to hear. Is it really, yeah, just lower the bar. It's a law of averages. Just show up and write. Right. And what is like, we, we, we hinted at it, but like going full time for you, like, um, what you thought about, Quitting your job and moving in with your girlfriend, but then you didn't. Mm-hmm. Like what is what is, that's that's oh, a big I, I question a lot I of comics have.
1: I didn't because of the because of the apocalypsis that's happening. Oh, so, uh, okay. So I'm like lucky that
0: I have my day because I'm still working from home, getting paid. So, so <laughs> I just I just love like this moment in the world and society of just how nonchalantly you just said that. <laughs> it's like, so what prevented you from going full time? Well, I was going to, but then this apocalypse happened. Um, So we're just going to ride this out and see if the world ends or not. <laughs> it's like So I'll just keep getting right. paid to work from home instead of not getting paid to write another script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, that's so, funny. Yeah, okay. Um, so you...
1: So you're saying – but I'm sorry. I, I completely forgot what you were what you were you asking. Me.
0: Oh, I was just what? following up on – you had had the idea, which a lot of comics right. do, of, okay, it's yeah. now time to go full-time comedy. And I was wondering mm-hmm. what prevented you from taking that leap.
1: Right, right. So um, when – I'm going to get back on track with that once we come back to when I can go on the road. I do a few clubs on the road. So then that could give me – that could bring me a little bit of income. And – um The factor that made me think now is the time is the fact that I have representation and they go, hey, look, there's all these doors that are open if you bring the material. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like every day that I, because I'm already writing 80 minutes a day, right? But these days that I've been having off, I've been writing like, I'm not writing stand-up because I'm not training with anybody. So I'll just begin when when we can do stand up again. But I've been writing at least two hours in the morning and two hours at night.
0: Oh my! Gosh. So
1: I'm, like, I'm doing like four, four hours of like script writing because it's different. It's it's less complicated than stand up. It's it's I mean it's more like you start writing some stupid dialogue between two people in your head and it's just like time goes by. So I figured okay, I have the opportunity. I just need the time to like grind. For a year, if I stay in my day job, it's going to take me, and I work one hour a day in a script, it's going to take me five years to get good at it. But with the amount of work that I put in in a day, and I don't have a day job, it's going to take me nine months. Right? So my, my idea for quitting a day job is, look, there's somebody waiting for a really good writing sample so that I can get a staff on a TV show or maybe the idea of selling my own TV show. So why not do that Monday through Thursday, work like a mule when it comes to that, and then Sunday through uh, Thursday through Sunday, go feature somewhere and get better at standup. And that... So uh, there's no reason for me to keep a day job, even though I'm not making the money, I'm willing to make the sacrifice of like, of like having a way low income because I'm building towards something. Hmm.
0: Yes, you have something you're working towards, which is super helpful. Which also helped right. me, when I filmed my special last year, was having that to work towards really motivated me to, like, okay, even when you don't feel like it, show up to work anyway. But if, if like, right. show up to the page, get on stage, things like that. And you're talking about lowering the bar is helpful. But, like, mm-hmm. four hours, dude, like, what do you, what are you doing on the days you don't feel like writing? How are you convincing or tricking yourself into doing it anyway?
1: Mm I mean, so the good thing about the day job is like, I only have that window. Right. And if I only have like from eight to like nine from like seven to eight twenty. So if, if, it's for like a person who loves exercise. You didn't work out that day. They just feel guilty, right. so then I just feel I feel bad the whole day. So for me, it's not a. It's 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 like it's it's for my own mental health that I do it because otherwise I'm gonna beat myself up, over not doing that. And now on the weekends, it's like okay, I wake up and I and I get a little cup of coffee and I watch The Simpsons, and then I sit down and I have um. Like I have an outline of, okay, I'm going to write a script about this stupid episode where I think that in my sitcom, there is a guy who is working for the cartel, but he doesn't want to kill people. So they tell him, okay, you have to go interrogate this person, but he doesn't want to torture them. <laughs> so then he learns, he goes to a class and he learns hypnosis and he comes back and tries to like interrogate somebody using hypnosis and then somebody hypnotizes him and blah, 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 and some dumb shit happens and, and it's the end, right? I have an outline. So once you have something that you're going to, like, you have 20 scenes and you, and you spend 10 minutes per scene, that adds up to, like, 200 minutes. That's like, your day goes by like that. So having, having the outline, having the plan for a sitcom, it make, makes it easy to sit down and write.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, how do I trick myself into writing? I think I just structure my day. Wake up, watch The Simpsons. That's already a pleasurable activity, right? Then I, I I sit down and I and I write for an hour, and then I I take a break and I have like some Nutella with something, right? That's I'm rewarding myself again. And then I write down for another hour, and then I I go and I ride my bicycle for an hour, and then I come back and I write for another hour, and then I take a nap. And then for my nap it's like it's an it's a different day. My brain is not fried, and then I write a little more. It's just like um. It's just creating—it's creating a discipline until it becomes a non-issue that you don't even think about.
0: Yeah, that's that's powerful. I think. Yeah, doing it piece by piece, but also having having that structure and a reason to write, I think, helps people. Whatever you create in your head, whatever that reason is, that can become like your motivator on days when you're like, ah. Eh. I'll get to it later or whatnot, but I feel the same way. I have to write in the morning. Otherwise, I'm just going to like beat myself up over it for the rest of the day. Which right. A lot of us do. So this right. this um, let's go ahead and land this plane here. Um, real quick, uh, I have two more questions. Z asked, why did you decide to go writing rather than acting? Most comedians lean into acting.
1: Uh, if, I if I suggest you watch a clip of my stand up to like see my wrench
0: of emotion. <laughs> uh, answer. But dude that that um uh, no. that set was killer.
1: Thank you, thank you. No, but to to give you like a more extensive um answer is I'm also taking acting classes. Okay. So I'm just um I'm I'm doing everything because I, I think I think we Every, I mean, everyone will tell you something different, right? Like, um, what's his name, neighbor Gatsy says, get 15, get, get, spend 15 years getting amazing in stand up. And then somebody was going to come and give you a sitcom. That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is like, get good at everything gradually. So that when it's like something that I would, could, I would tell myself if I could go back four years, I'd be like, okay, dude, you're, you're not booked on Saturday and you're not booked on, on Sunday. It's go to a, read a book about how to write a TV script. Take a take a class in TV writing. <gasps> take an acting class. So like at least one day a week, work on something different. If you like sketches, one day a week, just write a sketch and shoot a sketch on Sunday. Whatever, whatever draws your attention is like nurture different sides uh, or like have a podcast. Do one little thing that like adds to your repertoire. Yes. So that when you get attention for your stand-up – you have an even bigger draw and be like, yeah, connect, go audition and get a sitcom, work on some shitty sitcom that you don't even like, but who cares? Money and it brings you an audience. Now, next thing you know, you can tour off your role that you hate on your in TV.
0: Gosh, I love that. It's just having more than stand up, and it sounds like I mean comedy isn't your full-time job but you're already treating it like it is which i think is important for any comedian one to go full-time start treating it like a job now what are you waiting for even if you have a day job you show up and give that employer all your all and you treat their business like a job treat your business of stand-up like a job as well right right so yeah it it's it's all making sense for people listening. Only six years, six and a half years in a comedy, already been on Colbert. There's a reason behind this opportunity you got, and it's because you're putting in the necessary work for these things to happen. So a lot of comedians want that magic bullet, but I think what we've learned today is the work is the magic bullet. You're right. So this uh this is the final one here, and this is from um Trent Babb. He's out on the West Coast actually. He tunes into the Right Ten Clubs every morning too. So this is a guy putting in the work because he's up at seven AM. Oh, when wow. it's ten AM here in Atlanta, so seven AM his time to join the Right Ten Club. So he's uh Good job. Yeah, Trent's killing it. So he he had like two questions. I think we can kinda parlay into one here but um let's let's do this one first he's um are you leaning more towards clean material because it opens doors for you or do you still tell dirty jokes at clubs i the, the moment that i that i
1: stopped doing the, the moment that i was done with colbert i think my brain was like okay now next one i'm gonna sell to whoever i want to i want to sell i don't want to do 15 late nights because why hmm Nobody's giving you sitcoms from doing a late night. So then I, I'm allowing myself to be like, okay, let's let me make this jokes that I like. I have this when last time I saw my grandma, she tried to sell me a blanket. Like she gave me a blanket and then she put a price on the blanket, and that was the last time that I spoke to my grandma when she was alive. So, you and I'm trying to I'm trying to like. Make a joke about how I should, because she wanted to give me a blanket in installments, <laughs> and, and uh, so like my so like the, the the joke that I haven't figured out is like I should have taken it because I wouldn't have had to pay for the fucking blanket and it would be a free blanket. That joke is never going to be on late night TV, mm-hmm. but that's something about my life that I think it's 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 weird and I want to talk about it. And now I don't have the restriction of um of, but it, but it's the thing is that I've never been I've never worried about clean or dirty because I, I haven't I've never written for, for them I think I write for me I think one mistake that people make is because because uh, crass jokes and so called edgy jokes is just people that make people groan and get a reaction from people that's easier so I think never use that as a crutch to be like to just go and write that right how many – just every time that I watch a set and it's about it, – it's and it's a dick joke or, or like something very – like a really quick sexual and, uh, reference, I just go, all right, anyone is doing those. Mm-hmm. So write what you want but just don't write for a reaction. Write for – because it makes you laugh and it's funny.
0: Yeah, it, I think that's super important. Is the big debate of clean versus dirty is it's all personal preference at the end of the day. And like you talked right. about when you write, it's your these are things like once uh, you were asked about what did you decide to keep and things like that. It's really like what strikes you as funny. So if, if yeah, if what's funny is clean to you, then by all means, be clean. You know, I, I. I consider myself a clean comedian, but that's only because it's what organically, that's where my sense of humor organically goes, you know, and if I'm Mm -hmm. at an open mic or sometimes at a club, I mean, I'll swear every now and then it's not like all or nothing, but it is my personal sense of humor skews towards clean and flipping Mm -hmm. things into the clean perspective. but. That's me personally. I never tell a comic, hey, you don't do that or you should be like this. It's more like what is your sense of humor and just listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's, there's enough doors and opportunities for everyone now and what people are looking for more than ever now is authenticity and what is true to you because comedy's booming and how you're going to stand out is by creating comedy that's uniquely you. And no one else, whether it's dirty, clean, what's going to stand out is that authenticity, because people now more than ever can sniff out when you're putting on an act to get a certain like I better be clean because I'll get X, Y, Z. People people are going to see through like the the fake, you know. Yeah, but that is that does tie in (laughs) to uh and trent says thank you as well but this ties into the final question as well as we're talking about you and this has become one of my favorite topics of discussion as i've been talking about writing more and more on here is trent asked um do you ever feel trapped writing just about you do the crowds laugh from you material more than your other bits. So I guess if material's more about you, do they laugh more? And do you feel trapped by that?
1: I I feel trapped, uh, the, I, I don't feel trapped. The only thing that I don't like is like, sometimes when I tell my girlfriend a story, or like a friend, and they're like, that's so funny. Go, whatever you just told me, go and say that on stage. And, and I go, and then people just look at me like, <laughs> so what? Uh-huh. Because I, I, don't, I don't know. I, so like you know how you laugh when I was like because of the apocalypse that happened and then you laugh. Right. I think that when I deliver something like organically as a story, it comes up very organically. But then when I go try to say in a session, it's like, hey, so you guys think this is funny? And then it just doesn't work. So then works, jokes work for me. I I, I, I mean, I'm, we talked about Colbert being very personal, but that just happened, right? I also have jokes about Things that I observed, but then also when you observe something The the most relatable way of of presenting that is to make up a little story where you're part of it mm. Boom. you know what I mean? Like I had um, I had this this joke where on um, Michael bear said about Somebody telling me to go back to my country Right mm-hmm. and that happened I made it in a convey in one of those electrical uh, walkways for simplicity. Because I was on an airplane and there were other Latin passengers getting out of the airplane to transfer to our airplanes. And there was a a Peruvian lady ahead of me and she was trying to get out ahead of an American person as the pilot had instructed. And the, the American guy got mad and he turned around and he said, go back to your country. As he was blocking her, from taking a plane to go back to her country, huh. so I was like, "This is so funny." But why would I go and be like? So I was trying to transfer planes, and there was an, an old lady, and that. So I was just like, "No, I'm gonna take the place of the of the old lady."
0: Dude, that is so fascinating. So, you're your how the story actually happened was you second handedly saw this guy tell a lady to go back to her country but for the sake of the joke, you just made yourself the old lady. Right.
2: Wow.
1: And because people are not, I think it's, um, speaking about the difference between personal comedy and um, observation, when I see a set and the person talks for five minutes about the documentaries that they've been watching on their couch, I just go like, I don't know that I want to hear. I mean, you would have to be Richard Pryor for me to, for me to listen to what you think is stupid on TV, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but there's always a way to personalize comedy so that so that is more digestible to people. Like the, I read this article in the New York Times about a woman who was talking about the problems of dating while being on a wheelchair. And she was Catholic. And she said that she prayed every night and she asked God to help her find love. And I thought of the Bible and I was like, in the Bible, if you can't walk, you ask Jesus to like heal you. <laughs> right. But I can't just go and be like, so I was reading this article about this this stupid bitch in a wheelchair. Right. Who, who, who's praying? About, how dumb are you? It was like, no, like you can't say that. Right, so then on the, I just I wrote a joke about. I remember that I used to live in Philly, and uh, and the Pope went to Philly, so I was so I just made a, so I just made the, the lady in the wheelchair a male, so as not to like be judgmental about her vulnerabilities mm-hmm. on dating, and I and I took him to the parade to wave at the Pope, and then he waved at the Pope, and then he turns to me and he says, I wish I could speak to the Pope face to face. So I could ask him to pray that I find love, mm-hmm. and then I just said the same thing that I thought with the lady. I was like, "That's not how it works." First, Jesus cures the leper first Jesus cures the leper, and then the leper finds a girlfriend on his own, right? And that was how the version that I made.
0: It's okay,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's and it, and it, it's, it's like me filtered. Yes, you you put your you almost filter the material through Pedro. And that's how right. you personalize it. So you may see something, but then you just make it about you, even if it wasn't. Right. And then that's how you're able to personalize material. I think so. And I and I just think
1: that uh, it's not like a conscious thing. But like uh, the more you write comedy, the more you realize that – I mean just look at the specials of like really good – like uh, look at Sam morell or look at Normand. Look at Michelle Wolf. As a comedian just sometimes to look back and they, when they're like my friend told me this and it's like you that friend doesn't exist. Mhm. You're you're presenting like a philosophical like a little logical argument and you're putting the the person that you want to bring down, the opinion that you want to break down, you make it a human. Because the the interaction between two people is what creates the 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 like oh I'm embarrassed oh that's that's funny otherwise you would be giving TED talks if you were like I'm going to dispute
0: the fact that right right <laughs> that I that I don't agree with this Trump supporter and I love that the more you write it's almost I mean you know co- it, writing is like a muscle too and it's like the more you write the more aware you'll start to become of comedy in your life cuz you're getting better at it it's getting stronger your sense right. of humor is getting more and more in-tuned. So I think it is just the more you create, the more you write around comedy, just the more you'll start to see it and the more you'll able you'll be able to start filtering it through you and onto a, like a personal set on stage.
1: Right. Yeah. And then at, the, at this, at the like on the other spectrum, there are some really brilliant comedians who don't. Like you would say, okay, Andrew Schultz is observational because he goes – he has this bit about, okay, uh, women say this is the worst patriarchy. And then he goes on this thing about like, well, some women in Africa have have their clitters caught up. And then he just makes a case, put in the worst case scenario and just telling people in the United States how they have it great. And then women are laughing at the fact that he's saying that we have the best patriarchy blah, blah, blah. He's not in the joke – at all Mm. but you know what is
0: his point of view and it's super strong oh man that's a great point because i was looking for it i was like yeah how does he personalize it he personalizes it with his point of view that you said like you said strong point of view that he believes in so then the audience will in turn trust and believe in it also right Woo. Oh, my gosh. Yo, Trevor just said, this has been awesome, very insightful. Thank you, Joel and Pedro. This, Trent says thank you. This, I'm telling you, kids, holy cow. This has been a whirlwind and hopefully the first of just many questions people reach out to you about. You know, like, this this show, like, you know, when, you, when we connect on social media, like, it's for comics by comics, and you've shared so much way just even way more than anticipated we had way more questions than anticipated so hopefully you know we'll be able to be doing more of these trent says fantastic alex says thank you as well so um thank you everyone for tuning into this thank you pedro for being willing to do this and share so much insight um thank you so much for having me yeah uh, Z, yeah and Z says amazing thanks Pedro I'll keep an eye for shows in Toronto so thank you yeah that's great and um Don says great stuff thanks Joel and Pedro oh man hey we're we're changing lives out here Pedro what did it. Uh, well, please let them know where they can um connect with you where they can support you like please let them know sure um just follow me on Instagram
1: if you like. It's uh Pedros mm-hmm. Jokes. So my name, the letter S
0: and the word jokes. Perfect. All right. And your website as well. It's uh Pedro Comedy dot com. Pedro Gonzalez Comedy dot com. And uh Z says uh, we have healthcare, so the apocalypse should end here first. Start booking your Canadian tours, guys.
2: <laughs> Good idea.
0: Yeah, that's what's great about the Hot Breathiverse, man. We're all over the world. So it's, it's cool that we can actually start to come together in moments like this and really interact and learn from each other in a real and like intimate way. So I'm looking forward to more of these. Thank you all for this idea. I mean, this came up in the Right 10 Club on regular Facebook Live. People were like, hey, we'd like to ask questions to people who have been on TV. And I was, boom, I know a guy. We just connected on social media. Pedro Gonzalez. So please, Hot Breath the Verse. Reach out to Pedro if you have any other questions or just reach out just to say thank you and for him sharing his valuable time with us here today. And keep supporting Hot Breath by the best way to do it is by just sharing it with other comedians on social media in your favorite comedy Facebook groups. You can support the show with our Patreon if you go to patreon.com slash hotbreathpod. If you want to add a little bit to our patreon tip jar there but overall just keep sharing this keep connecting in these times i hope you're staying safe out there and staying smart out there and um, join this facebook group if you're not a member we have a very special announcement that we will do right now that we teased earlier in the right 10 club but tomorrow as of a uh, 2 p.m tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We're having Sean Patton come on the show. So Whoa. If you guys haven't heard his episode on Hot Breath, it's episode 184, but um, he has one of our most like highly uh, com- like just complimented and highly educational episodes about writing and storytelling. So he's going to be on here tomorrow at 2 p.m.. So definitely tell your other comedian, friends and family that that's going to be back here. He'll be back here tomorrow with us live. But Pedro, you started something here, buddy. You started something. Weird. I'm so glad that this new series, Hot Breath Live, started with you, and I wish you all the luck and continued success. And the work, your work ethic, man, has just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really inspiring. And I think my big takeaways from this are one, just show up and do the work. You know, writing a hundred pages and ninety-eight are terrible, but those two pages are the gold, you know, and just just showing up, lowering the bar, not having any expectations beyond just starting. That's my big takeaway yep. from this. Just start. Take away all expectations. Just allow yourself to just show up and create without any expectation.
1: So you don't have you, you don't ever have a, a, a map for like Imagine did you did you know that your podcast was gonna turn into this? This is great. You've you've interviewed so great comedians and you're like giving so much information how to become a better comedian to a lot of people and you didn't know at the start that it was gonna get so good.
0: No, it just started. So, congrats for so th- yeah, thanks. I'm inspired by you also. Wow. Thank you, Pedro, man. Well I'm excited to do more things together. This has been great And, hot kids out there, the the group is called Hot Breath Comedy Network. It'll be linked in the show notes. But, Pedro Gonzalez, thanks for being on Hot Breath, my man. Thank you. And we will see everyone else next Monday right here on Hot Breath. (sighs) All right, kids, keep grinding out there. Stay safe and smart. And we love you.